One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Matt. Welcome back to ADHD Chatter. Thanks for having me again. Good to see you. I think the reason that I've brought you back is that I think it's necessary to address the the panorama episode that has caused so much pain uh, uh-huh. amongst our community. I think the ADHD community, as a result of that, is in a lot of pain, is suffering. Um, yeah. what's, what's your, where do you think we should begin? Wow. Uh, it's huge, really, isn't it? Let's let's put it like that. It's a huge topic, and I think you're right. There is a lot of pain. There's a lot of uncertainty um, since that that uh, program aired, um, and there seems to be a lot of people questioning um, all sorts of elements surrounding ADHD. So, uh, where do you begin? I guess it would be interesting for me. To start with, you know, maybe what was the what was the narrative they were trying to address in the documentary? Well, you know, were there positive intentions? Um, uh, And if there were, did they get lost in translation? Perhaps. And then I think the the bigger piece is is the effects. Um, and it did have effects, or, or was that the intention? Was the intention that it would create debate and discourse? I mean, I, I guess we can't we can't know sat here, but it's certainly something I think there's a responsibility to to talk about. I'm having conversations about it literally every day since. Still, for me, I mean, yeah, absolutely. For me, it felt like a, a 27 minute, however long it was, ridiculously short to cover such a vast nuanced topic that needed to really be like either a three-parter an hour each or a three and a half hour full length documentary that Mm. brought in people who are suffering with adhd lots of private clinics lots of people from the nhs lots of people from all angles to show how nuanced and complicated and really complicated the system was Mm. the the, the situation is for it to condense it into a 27 and i say the word hit piece because i think that it was uh you know it, it i think it was made with 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 bad intentions uh, i think it was feeding into the sort of everybody has adhd it's a fad it's a must have condition narrative mm. um adhd uk i had a look have, have done some research and shown they interviewed they asked 1581 people with adhd they surveyed them and 83% said that they think it will stop people with symptoms seeking an assessment 75% yeah. of them said People with ADHD think the Panorama Show will have a personal, personal negative impact. So that's only one and a half thousand people. That, that's a lot, actually. And so the harm is tangible already. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And I think in terms of that research alone, you look at the, the ADHD UK research, you look at how quickly that research has come out, right? You look at how quickly that people responded to it. It tells you how passionate they were how hurt they were um 
I, you know, the words I've seen day in, day out are I feel attacked, I feel hurt, I feel that my diagnosis is, is invalid. Um, and again, like you said, people feeling that this is just, uh, um, you know, maybe I'll use some clickbait journalism to, to drive this, oh, everyone's got ADHD, it's not real, you know, oh, look at the next celebrity's got it. And you, you have to ask yourself the question, why on earth would Panorama, which, you know, when I was growing up, had a reputation for being a really, really good piece of journalism. And it, it did delve into topics in a good way. You know, I remember them being an hour long at minimum. Why do a 27 minute hit piece that just made a mockery of so, so many people, so many people um, and what was the intention? No, I think it, it it instantly stripped thousands of people of their validation. It's it painted the entire. I think it painted the entire private sector as dodgy. You know, it, it, it showed it showed a few examples of dodgy clinics. Which, by the way, when there is this huge demand that is that is caused by other reasons, which we can talk about later. I.e. Uh, yeah you know, chronically underfunded funded NHS. So people are going to the private sector, huge boom in demand. There's always going to be dodgy people trying to profiteer from that situation. Yeah. And you you could, they found a couple of dodgy clinics, you know, perhaps. And they just painted the picture. Like it's easy to buy a diagnosis. Like if you've got a spare 750 quid, you can go and mm. you can go and yeah. go private and, and get that little, get that stamp. Yeah, I know. And, and uh, it's really interesting. I had a, I had a conversation earlier today uh, with a friend of mine who works in, in the prison services, teaches drama therapy, and does a lot of work with um, people who've, who've sort of misused drugs. Uh, and he has ADHD as well. And we were, we were chuckling because one of the things I've seen people saying online since is, oh, well, you see, they're, they're giving out these high, highly powered stimulant meds like sweets and anyone can get a diagnosis and then everyone's going to get stimulant meds. And so people are now just going for a diagnosis to get the meds. And, and he laughed. He went, seriously, Matt, there are far easier, quicker and cheaper ways to get stimulant meds than paying 750 <laughs> quid for an ADHD diagnosis. Mm. And what addict is going to ask for a slow release stimulant in the first place? It's lunacy. But, you know, for it to have created those kind of comments shows you what it's done. It shows you the harm that it's already done. You think, how are people making these jumps? But that's, you know, that's the issue, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I think trying to portray that all private clinics are dodgy is just irresponsible. I mean, I was diagnosed at a private clinic I'm assuming you were. I've got friends and colleagues who were. All of us know two things. We originally went down the route of private diagnosis because potentially we either were financially able to and we wanted to leapfrog the NHS waiting times or we were in such a place of, of desperation and need that we felt we had no choice, in my case, but to expedite it. I believe my diagnosis because for six years prior to that, I already knew I had ADHD. It's not like I woke up some, you know, on one morning went, oh, look, a celebrity's got this ADHD thing. There's something about medication. I know I'll spend 750. In fact, in my case, way more than that on a private diagnosis. Who would do that in the first place? Right. So I, I, I don't think it's fair in any way to say all. Oh, all clinics are, are dodgy, but you're right. The way it was portrayed is that, well, if these, what was it, two or three that we're highlighting are, then they all are. Let's just tar the whole, you know, kit and caboodle with the same brush. That's just irresponsible. It's just plain irresponsible, isn't it? And the fact is, why are people having to go that route and why are people doing it? Because the NHS is chronically underfunded, under-resourced, because they're more stretched now than ever before. And no, that's not because TikTok's told everyone they've got ADHD and it's, it's not because it's trendy. It's because there's more awareness, there's more, there's more knowledge out there and 
we know that since COVID, more people have done a lot of self-searching and realisation and gone, oh no, wait a minute, is that why? It's got nothing to do with it being, you know, over-prescribed or over-diagnosed, in my opinion. But that's what the documentary made it out to be. And, and like I say, for anyone who has had a diagnosis, even if it was with the NHS, because let's not forget, sometimes you can go through the NHS, use right to choose and then end up through a private clinic as well. Right. So let's not forget there are people who've gone the NHS route, who've waited the numbers of years and been privately assessed. Why should they sit at home now thinking, oh, do I have ADHD? You know, and, and I saw a post today on uh, on TikTok, which was really interesting. I think she was a 46 year old woman. I can't remember who it was. Just questioning it. Genuinely. That panorama has really, really thrown me. She said, I can't. I've got to put this out there because it's going around my head. They mentioned all these other conditions that it could be with no information about them. And she just asked the question, what else could this ADHD that I believe I have possibly have presented as that wasn't picked up or looked for in my assessment? Because my understanding was they looked for everything. Well, then again, that's that's the irresponsibility of trying to cover that in 27 minutes, isn't it? Mm. I think it's left the... her and other people going. Oh. I think it massively discounted the work that people do themselves in researching themselves and researching the condition before they even pick up the phone and yeah. like you said you don't spend 750 quid minimum unless you're really at critical break point and no. you know so it was i thought very disingenuous um and it was on the backdrop of the the nhs is a perfect process if you, you know, mm. your, an NHS assessment takes three and a half hours, lengthy mm. questionnaires versus the private sector, which is a quick bit of paper and a seven minute video call and you'll get powerful mm. drugs. That was the yeah. binary, yeah. like NHS is perfect and yeah. private sector is dodgy. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was really disingenuous to, to, to picture it. Look, it was, and um, I can't remember his name now, Michael, I think his name is, the NHS clinician uh, from uh, South York's NHS Trust who, who carried out the assessment on the documentary. Okay, look, I, I'm not aware of, first of all, and I, I'm, I'm willing to be proven wrong on this, but I'm not aware of any NHS standard diagnosis for ADHD being a three and a half hour process. Primarily because I don't think the NHS has got time for an ADHD diagnosis to take three and a half hours for everyone. I think that was slightly more than, shall we say, staged for the episode, staged for the documentary. And it was massively unfair that quite clearly there'd been a conversation beforehand. The clinic knew exactly what the documentary was setting out to, to sort of look at. So they knew what was happening and and so they gave perhaps extra time to to rory for for that assessment to then come out with the no you're categorically not right fine but by the same token trying to say that an adhd diagnosis through a private clinic is no more than quote unquote filling out some questionnaires and then a video call of between 9 and 45 minutes before i got a, uh, a prescription is absolute crapola sorry but it is that's nonsense right if i look back at mine for argument's sake i had to do two forms before i even went into the clinic one form on the day i went into the clinic and they were each several pages long i then waited for the clinician to sort of extrapolate all the information she wanted from those to build a picture and then i had a 90 minute consultation privately after which my wife and my parents were brought in for another hour after all of that i was given a diagnosis and and a report was sent home to me with, with recommendations so that doesn't match up to what i saw on the documentary i don't know what yours your your um, experience was but I would, I would disagree that that's the standard. 
but that's what the documentary said. Mm, yeah, I mean, mine was very similar to yours. I had you know lengthy questionnaires which took many hours to fill in, and that was just the ones I did. My long-term partner had to fill in lengthy questionnaires. My mum had to fill in lengthy questionnaires. Um, it took hours and hours and hours, and that was the mm. basis that the psychiatrist started the hour and a half video call with me and by the way i don't think there's a problem with being assessed virtually like they made it out like that was an issue if if, yeah. if the questionnaires are filled in and the psychiatrist knows what they're talking about which most of them do yeah. it doesn't what, what does it matter if they see you face to face or if it's yeah they, they made it out yeah. like that was another mark against the uh, private sector that it was just a, a quick virtual meeting and that was an issue yeah i know and that's that um look you know that would that would therefore mean that this has no validity doing a podcast like this because we're not sat in the room together you know that makes no sense in anyone's world but you're right it was it was a very sort of cynical way of painting it wasn't it oh well if it's over zoom I, you know I, I keep coming back to this question right who's really really going to take all that time and effort to not only pay but to fill in all those forms to try and gain a diagnosis of a clinical condition so that there's a chance they might get stimulant meds. Because let's not forget the way our neurology as ADHD folk works is this. If we take stimulant meds, it slows things down for us. Right. There is there's a connection between dopamine and norepinephrine and, and serotonin and cortisol. And all of those combined means our brains slow down. Give it to somebody without ADHD. They'll look like they're in a 1990s rave somewhere in an underground car park in the suburbs of London. Why would they go through the process knowing that it, that's what's going to happen? But the documentary made it out as much as the clinics are dodgy, that the patients are, are are doing this to game it because it's trendy, because of the drugs. And you just think, oh, what on earth was that about? I, 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 it, just, it just seems very callous, is the word I, I keep coming back to. And And, you know, it's affecting people daily. It is affecting people daily. We're hearing stories of people, as a result of the documentary, having their shared care agreements withdrawn yep. from their GP. Um, you know, so, and, and that can have devastating effects on that particular person. Not to mention, yep. I mean, that's a, that's a big issue in itself. You know, not to mention the fact that as a community, uh, however you want to phrase it, I'll say imposter syndrome is rife. People mm -hmm. probably questioning their own diagnosis just because they don't they might not feel that they're worthy of it or whatever you know we, we are a community with low self-esteem and then to have yeah. such a reputable broadcaster like that come yeah. out and essentially reinforce that side of the way of thinking yeah um i mean it, it, i'm just lost for words sometimes at how it was I, mean, I can see why it was allowed to be put out i mean i think you know if we look i don't know if, if it's the you know the people who are going to be negatively affected are a minority and I, the it was very clickbaity it was after mm -hmm. the the general narrative it seems to be in the press at the moment is very anti-adhd um yeah. that seems to be what's sexy and what gets clicks and views and sells papers and gets eyeballs on tv screens um yeah and it was yeah i agree and it was feeding into that you know with little concern seemed to be no concern as far as as far as i'm aware there were some legitimate organizations adhd organizations reached out to them and said yeah i hear you're doing this piece let us help let us make it more yeah. rounded and balanced let us let, let yeah. us give you our input and as far as i can tell it was essentially ignored because it went against the narrative they didn't want a balanced piece that said this is good no. this is bad um real life the truth falls somewhere in the middle yeah the editorial angle on this was clear from you yeah know, from the beginning and it was it was um yeah 27 yeah it hit, was. hit piece yeah and listen i mean from what i again have been seeing uh online so if if i'm reading it right uh samantha hugh who runs adhd girls um runs a facebook forum and one of her sort of cohort posted recently on social media to say she was devastated that she'd been tricked by an undercover journalist 
pretending to be someone in genuine need so that they could extrapolate information from her. I question whether there was ever a concerned parent that contacted Panorama to say, I have questions over that. Um, and I think that there's something really interesting with this. I, I will just say this because it's a question that's rattled around my mind since this. Uh, and I've asked some, some uh, colleagues that I really sort of trust and admire for their views. If you're one of those people who watched the documentary, who now is sat there questioning the validity of your diagnosis, whether you were prescribed medication or not, if you are one of those people that feels worried, okay, the only advice that I think makes sense is you know you better than anyone else. If you went for a diagnosis because you truly believe that ADHD fitted, because all of the signs and symptoms that you've seen of ADHD fitted, and because they are still today causing you negative impact at certain times and perhaps positive for others, okay? If you really question that diagnosis but you're still struggling, I don't know, maybe, maybe reach out to a credible ADHD coach. Reach out to a credible network of ADHD support and, and try and get some support and feedback from that. Don't sit there now asking yourself, oh, was it right, though? Have I really got ADHD? Because the answer is I'm going to stick my neck on the line 99.999% of the time. Yes, you did have, you do have and you will have. Don't let a piece of 27 minute clickbait journalism make you question you. But isn't it appalling that it has? Gosh, yeah. I mean, that was a, yeah. I mean, you you articulated really, I think, the the feelings of the community perfectly there. Um, especially, you know, in a, I think what it's also done is that it's made the channel of communication harder, cross-generational. Um, a lot of people my age and younger and your age, you know, we're fully on board with ADHD. There's a lot of potentially people in the older generation, parents, grandparents, who aren't quite convinced yet. And no. their children or their are coming forward and saying, you know, uh, mum, dad, whatever, I've got ADHD. And, and they might be on the fence and they might yeah. say, oh, what, you know, what are you talking about? Um, and yeah. if they're on the fence, this documentary, if they watched it, might have just tipped them over onto the, oh, you're talking rubbish side, which... Yeah is going to be so damaging for that younger child or it is. friend. It is. And I think here's, here's a, again, one of the words I've been hearing a lot, which really frustrates me, is people have been, those conversations where people are saying, oh, so suddenly you've got ADHD. No, it, I've always had ADHD. I may not have presented until there was a life-changing event, until there was, I don't know, whether it's trauma, sadness, whatever. I may not have struggled, but I've always had it. It's predominantly a genetic, it genetically inherited condition. Trauma plays into it. We understand that. But come on. I didn't wake up and suddenly have ADHD. I woke up and couldn't carry the weight of struggling, not knowing why I was different, not knowing why I found life so hard, maybe jumping from job to job, not maintaining friendships. All of these things we know that people seeking diagnosis tend to struggle with, okay? That's why suddenly the need to spend money or to wait, ask for an assessment. You don't just wake up and jump on a bandwagon for fun. But that's the question people are being asked. Suddenly you've got ADHD. It makes no sense, does it? In no other world does that make sense. But there you go, that's the question. My responsibility doing what I do, and, and yours with a platform like this, I believe, is to help people feel that if anyone knows them, better than anyone else it's themselves trust your intuition on this one absolutely there was an opportunity to really be put a responsible message out with the airtime 
that that documentary took up you know it, it, it could have highlighted there are millions of people in the uk who are suffering from a mm -hmm. mental health condition whether that's adhd or autism or mm -hmm. depression anxiety um those millions of people need help but they can't get it um through wait times etc so they're having yeah. to go to the to the private sector on top of that the adhd community in particular also suffers from a very negative you know a stigma that it's not a serious condition like you know you wouldn't yes. say to someone oh you don't be silly your depression's not real or your no. anxiety isn't real maybe a few people but i think adhd gets that yeah. gets a much harder time than that um it does and to say that it to sort of paint the picture that it's too easy to get a diagnosis just that kind of language really yeah. sort of displays your prejudice if you think that yeah. a serious condition is too easy to get that implies that it's just feeding into that it's a must yeah. have it's a it's a cool thing to yeah. you know celebrities are it, it's a must have thing yeah um such a wasted opportunity it was wasn't it yeah it really was a wasted opportunity and you know i i know we'll probably talk about this later but that's why so many people have complained so many people have registered a formal complaint to the BBC from within the community to say, no, I'm not accepting that. That wasn't right. You know, it'd be interesting to see what the Ofcom results of all of that are at some point. But that's why so many people, and I would urge anyone that's been affected by it to do that. Complain. You have to air your voice, your grievance. You have to say, no, I don't stand for this. And that's whether you're an adult with ADHD, whether you're the parent of a kid with ADHD, Heck, even if you're a teacher or an educator of pupils and you know they struggle, please, please just, you know, please complain because they shouldn't be allowed to have got away with that scot-free. No, absolutely. And as far as I'm aware, I don't think, just taking a step back a second, the message that powerful drugs are being handed out too easily, essentially. Um, and, okay, was the, was the titration period mentioned at all? in the documentary I don't, I don't think it really was you know and that, that's no. a process that stops powerful drugs being handed out really easily yeah. so as far as i haven't been through that so i don't know but as far as i'm aware no it is yeah no you're right absolutely so I, I can only speak from my experience and this is the preface again not a doctor not a clinician not medically trained but experienced enough having been through this with myself my two sons and, and other people i've advocated for and supported for so i know i know the process and actually having spoke to my own psychiatrist at length so you're right titration this period of okay we think you may have adhd we think medication may help now typically and what the documentary was was trying to lead people to believe was typically you'll get a powerful stimulant med prescribed at working dose that you take from day one doesn't happen okay it doesn't matter there are there are two standard or three standard compounds of, of um, stimulant med in the uk methylphenidate uh, lisdex amphetamine and uh, dexamphetamine right and they, they work in slightly different ways but they all achieve a similar effect so they're this slowing our minds down to be prescribed like any drug and by the way saying it's powerful is a real hyperbolic statement so is paracetamol have you ever read the label on a box of paracetamol for what could happen if it's no different right so let's get that out there but before you can be prescribed stimulant meds you have to typically provide at least a week's worth of blood pressure and heart rate monitorings as well as your pulse you have to have your weight and your height monitored Okay, they're looking for heart health, they're looking for heart stresses, they're looking for any reason that a stimulant would not be the right medication for you before they'll even consider prescribing it. Not at the end of a 45 minute call, there you go, go pick it up tomorrow from Boots. Sorry, doesn't happen. Titration periods vary anywhere from, from first dose to working dose. I've heard of between six weeks to three months dependent on how that person responds individually to the medication. And then in the first year, typically should be reviewed at least twice. At least twice. Okay, now that's not, I had a Zoom call, I chucked a load of medication down my neck and it, neck and it was powerful and caused me harm. And by the way, I think they use the magic word addictive. It's only addictive if you don't have ADHD 
and you would be likely to be addicted to any kind of stimulant be that medical grade designed for ADHD or off the street illegal drugs okay if you have ADHD you are not going to become addicted in my understanding to stimulant meds so that's part one of this that was nonsense it did however and I will say this it did expose what I believe personally is a question that I have in all of the diagnosis and assessment criteria whether it's NHS or private which is not enough people are told there are other options outside of stimulant medication not enough people have the information that says if stimulants don't suit you by the way there are some non-stimulant options that can work as effectively right how do i know i did my research i take them right my adhd is controlled by an anti-anxiety med now if we were given that information properly it would give patients more ability to make a choice it's not to say the stimulants are dangerous it's to say like any medication they might not suit people but for some reason we're not and then we have to agree okay that there are those people case in point you for who they don't want to take meds they don't feel that's necessary so you can go down the road route of like i've mentioned before coaching you could go down the route of getting an adhd mentor right there are lots of other non-medicinal ways you run like we said on the first podcast to clear your mind exercise socializing anything that releases healthy dopamine works for you as long as you're balancing it with your sort of norepinephrine right fine but there are lots of ways that we can manage our adhd stimulants are just one it's just fascinating that that documentary only mentioned them isn't it mm. it's fascinating that they made them out to be this demon drug and everyone that takes them is going to end up addicted i have yet to meet anyone addicted to their stimulant medication who's got adhd my private clinic uh did mention medication after my diagnosis not verbally they gave me a report and mm. it had it had about seven pages of what i could do next if i wanted to take steps to make my life a bit easier if i was struggling to such an extent um yeah. medication was on page two um they never pushed it um page one was a, a list of loads of online resources and actually just a list of simple things which is what i do now and what i've subconsciously yeah. already done what you mentioned exercise diet yeah. breath work cold showers all this kind of stuff um yeah it wasn't pushed i mean and however, I will say it did only mention stimulant medication on yeah. the medication section, which is an issue yeah. that you do think is 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 something that does deserve attention. Yeah, I do. And I think it's a piece, it's a conversation that I think needs to be had. Um, I can't speculate on the reasons that we only get told about stimulant meds. I know they're more expensive as as a medication than the anti-anxiety med that I take. And, you know, we so okay there could be a financial implication there but i don't know that's purely speculation um but like i say it would have been nice to know that was an option it would have been good to know that from the start because here's the thing i'm learning more and more that there are lots of people who come to adhd through lifelong struggles with anxiety or depression or worse you know feelings of suicidal ideation right because life has been that hard now in that case my understanding is that dopamine based meds aren't actually going to address any underlying anxiety issues they aren't actually going to balance the entire system they will potentially rebalance your dopamine that's only a part of it Right, I keep coming back to norepinephrine or noradrenaline. Go away, Google it, look it up. Right, this is a thing, and it's the balance between the two. Is my understanding that particularly if you're anxious, particularly if you struggle, that's what we need. 
And without that, again, what I'm beginning to understand is that can then lead to problems caused by our ADHD symptoms like addiction. Because let's be honest, what's addiction? It's a way to get relief from anxiety for a lot of people. It's to take us out of the stress. Your dopamine medication isn't going to do that. Now, wouldn't it be a right thing to do generically for people to be given that information, that assessment? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Yeah, it would be because, you know, these, as far as I'm aware, uh, these these stimulant meds, even if you take them in low dose, you know, over a long period of time, nothing nothing like this is without a cost, right? I mean, you know, if there's an alternative to essentially, you know, micro-dosing, you know, mm -hmm. stimulants, then I'm thinking that was really my concern with them was I think I can manage my ADHD in unmedicated ways. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that I don't have, you know, bad days. I have them all the time. Yeah. Um, and I sometimes am tempted for medication because I because there are serious struggles that I don't, you know, that, that running doesn't help <laughs> with. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. But I mean... Just going back to the documentary, like I'm, and like you said, I think this has it has highlighted an issue with, with how how what how options are presented after diagnosis, mm. um, and do you think that they sh so you think that they should present a much wider spectrum of of options after after a diagnosis. <laughs> Whether it's after diagnosis, whether it's on the websites of clinics, you know, in just general information, you know, what, I, I don't know, why isn't there a page on a website that says, okay, this is, you know, potentially treatment for ADHD could involve X, Y, Z, A, B, C. This is the detail, go away, research it. I, I can't see why that's not done more frequently because, you know, knowledge is power is the old adage, isn't it? Um. And the, and the other thing to this, right, so the medication thing has got another another side to this, which I think, again, the documentary missed. Or it kind of, it, it touched on, actually, it didn't miss. So, dependent on the clinic you go to, and also dependent on your local NHS um, area, there is no guarantee that if you're diagnosed and then prescribed by a private psychiatrist stimulant medication there's no guarantee that your doctor your gp will accept what's known as a shared care agreement now typically in the past before this documentary shared care agreements were refused because stimulant meds are so expensive right my average monthly prescription from titration to working dose and for the nigh on 18 months after I of taking them rather was 90 pounds a month okay that is an incredible sum of money for drugs I was lucky my GP accepted shared care which meant thereafter my prescription cost me well what is it 9.95 now right if you are not lucky enough to get a shared care agreement We've now got a situation where there might be people who funded their private diagnosis by, you know, scrimping and saving or borrowing even worse on credit cards or short term loans or whatever it may be out of desperation. How are they going to afford a £90 a month prescription long term if they're told this is for life? How on earth are they supposed to do that if shared care doesn't get agreed? And yet. If on that page on the website, it was, yes, stimulant meds, but there's an alternative as well, you know, SNR, Ryan. And if they knew that, it might have just been a 9.95 prescription from day one. Why aren't we given that information? That choice? I don't understand that bit. You know, I... I at the risk of sounding a bit tinfoil hat, Alex, right? I don't know why we're not given that information. Why is that withheld, typically?
because it doesn't seem to stack up to me but there you go that's the way it is so what happens you either are lucky enough to get shared care or you've got to fund it yourself ouch is all i can say mm. i'm i'm thankful i don't have to anymore i i started the process of, of going on the titration and going down the medication route a few months ago and i went right. to the gp and he and i told him which clinic i um got assessed by and he, he he looked them up and he was very satisfied that they were credible and mm. the the psychiatrist who assessed me personally in fact he knew funnily enough and and she, oh, okay. she, she works she does dual work for the yeah. nhs and private clinics in the evenings and my assessment yeah. was was in the evening with her um and i think that's again the doc part of the problem with the documentary is that it lacked that balance um the the narrative it? was like nhs good private bad when in actual fact yeah. a, a lot of the psychiatrists who are, who are doing the work work for both yeah of course they do yeah absolutely they do and and you're right the balance to show that to even just to say that and admit that was lacking because now oh every private psychiatrist is just a snake oil salesman and they're unscrupulous and they're just please they're not i mean like you say that's just madness to even try and you know push that as a narrative but push that narrative it did and and, and go back to what you said about maybe people who've got parents or friends or whoever else who are looking at that as credible information about the 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 process of thinking i've got adhd to an assessment and a diagnosis now they just think oh well no you know and, and i go back to this thing of desperation okay i go back to this point of desperation if you're at breaking point because life has been so damned hard and if you think i have got to figure this out that's where i was right I had come off the back of a complete, total and utter physical and mental breakdown in November of 2019. I was in the grip of suicidal ideation. I could see literally no point in carrying on because I had struggled for so long with life. And I sobbed to my parents on the phone and said, I've got to know. I've, and I'll be honest, at that point, I only knew stimulant meds. Right. I only knew meds meant stimulants. And I sobbed and said, I have to know if this can help. I can not wait at that point. The four years I was told it might take me to get a diagnosis. You know, I, I, and I actually said to them, if I have to wait four years, I won't be here in four years. So they funded my diagnosis. They researched with me. We went to a clinic that I trusted. OK. And I got that assessment and I got that medication. And I will be forever grateful that what that did was set me on a path of learning to bring me to where I am today. I have no ill will to my clinic and I trust them implicitly. I would recommend them in a heartbeat. But the documentary would not have painted it like that, would it? And if you've got somebody now going as a parent to a, you know, a young adult, I saw that documentary. Oh, no, they're all dodgy, darling. No, we can't do that. You're just going to have to wait. I'm sorry. We are putting really vulnerable people in really vulnerable positions at huge risk. Mm. Yeah. Well I mean, done, Panorama. Yeah. No, it's awful. It, I mean, people know themselves best, right? I mean, even though it doesn't necessarily help, you know you've got adhd before a professional tells you you've got adhd that's why mm -hmm. you especially if you're going in the private route that's why yeah. you're desperate and you're spending 750 quid you know you're at that yeah. point the critical point um that's why diagnosis rates are so high in the private sector because you don't spend that amount of money unless you desperately need the confirmation no. to get on medication or to get other no. support that you can't get without the bit of paper no. um there are going to be a few dodgy clinics you know, and and they found and what? they found them. They, I mean, you know, they found them. Um, but to not say that that was just the tip of the iceberg. And as I said earlier, it should have been a much longer documentary. They should have they should have approached twenty private clinics 
and showed that it was, you know, less than 1%, probably, yeah. that are pro- profiteering in an unethical and, and uh, irresponsible way. Um, yeah. But it didn't do that. It, 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 it painted the picture that all the private clinics yeah. are profiteering against the perfect NHS, which, by the way, you know, um, like you said earlier, an NHS assessment is not three and a half hours. I mean, I'm sure if you're very, yeah. very, very lucky... It might be, but I imagine it's actually very similar to what I experienced in in my private assessment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, let's not pretend that the NHS doesn't. And I'm not bashing the NHS. I love the NHS. The NHS no, literally saved my life a few years ago th- for other reasons. Um, yeah. Um, but they they quite easily hand out powerful. You know, like yeah. you said, I got put on citalopram when I was 16 years old after a 10 minute right. meeting with my GP. Um, and I look back and I think that was probably quite irresponsible. Um, yeah, absolutely. After a 10 minute meeting with my GP, I got put on very powerful antidepressants, which put me in a really nasty place, you know. And, you know, so no one's perfect. The, the NHS can sometimes be irresponsible. The private sector can sometimes be irresponsible. But most of the time, they're both really good. Yeah. And let's be realistic, right? Again, and I care what you say, NHS or private, let's be realistic. The only information any clinician has to go on when they make that assessment is the pre-diagnostic forms that they have been asked to fill in and how that person presents on the day in front of them, whether it's on a camera or face to face. Okay, I went into my diagnosis broken. It was fairly obvious I was broken. I told my psychiatrist I was broken. Quite similarly, you could have someone going in fairly perfectly fine going, no, I'm quite happy. Yeah, I just think I've struggled, right? That clinician still has to make a professional judgment based on a set of criteria. Now, there is a completely separate conversation to be had here about does the DSM-5 criteria actually do a good job and a full and rounded job of assessing people for ADHD? That's a different discussion, right? It's one I've had several times with, with sort of friends who are psychologists and this conjecture doesn't matter that's what we've got at the moment you have to meet a certain amount of those criteria and they have to have been present for a minimum of six months and they have to have significant daily recurring impact right no one who goes in going oh i'm a bit forgetful i lose my keys every now and again he's going to come out with an adhd diagnosis they're going to come out with a piece of elastic attached to their belt so they don't lose the keys Right. That's the problem. Right. The clinicians are only as good as the patient presents on the day. The diagnostic system is only as good as it is. And that's the tool they've got to work with. We can't bash either of them. But yes, you're right. Just as there are maybe unscrupulous clinics in the private sector, maybe doctors and clinicians having a bad day in the NHS. Right. You can't take the human out of this process on either side of the the table but that still doesn't invalidate anybody's diagnosis it can't you can't let a 27 minute documentary invalidate your diagnosis you just can't like you said like the diagnose the assessment process for this is is subjective right it's it's not there's no blood test for it there's no you can't take a as far as I'm aware, correct me if I'm wrong, you can't take a brain scan for it or anything like that. Um, well, no, we, we, we can't, but you, yeah, yeah, there are brain scans that do show ADHD. Right, okay. Yeah, no, that, 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 you can categorically see what's different in an ADHD brain and prefrontal cortex and hippocampus and where, where, you know, and dopamine is and isn't firing. So, no, we can see it. You know, absolutely we can. Blood test, no. Um, but that withstanding, like you've said, people know what they struggle with. And if they've sat at home and done all the online tests and everyone's gone off the charts, off the charts, off the charts, it's a pretty damn good starting point to say, I think I might need to look at this a bit further, isn't it? It's unlikely. And that was the other bit, I think, that I found really galling. The the I don't know whether I call it script or... or I'll call it the script for want of a better description. The scripting of some of this was frustrating 
to say, you know, about all the colleagues, oh, well, yeah, 90% of people that come through the door walk out with a diagnosis. I would sort of expect that, right? If they'd said 10% of people come out with a diagnosis, I would have thought something was much worse and there was something very wrong with the process. Because again, people are not wasting their time and putting themselves through the trauma of saying, I think I have this for fun. But to use that as a headline piece, to use that as a, oh, that's terrible. Oh, really? That many people coming out with a diagnosis? Um, I'm sure it's probably 90% of people that walk out of a doctor's surgery every day with a prescription as well. Does that mean that's inaccurate and wrong? You know, but, but it was just the spin, wasn't it? It was just the spin to make everything seem wrong about this. Yeah, like you and, said, and, it's people who have who know themselves. They know that they've struggled and their whole life, but they don't know why. Um, or maybe they've seen something online, or they've spoken to someone, and now they know why. Um, they know that it's ADHD, and but they need that diagnosis. They they want that validation. Yeah. They want that confirmation. So they spend the money. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's 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 so clear that that's why the di the rate of diagnosis is so high in the private yeah, sector. It is. It is. It is. And by the way, there was a there were lots of numbers thrown around on the documentary about how many people have got ADHD in the UK. Can we just remember that there are hundreds of thousands of people, quite likely, who are sat on NHS waiting lists who cannot afford to go private? There are people who may never even put themselves on an NHS waiting list who are undiagnosed clinically but are self diagnosing as I struggle with ADHD who are likely to get no clinical support okay they are not again doing that to jump on a trend they're doing that because they're struggling and they've got information from somewhere that says oh wait a minute might I be able to get some support even if I can't afford or if the wait times are too long for a clinical diagnosis and just the, that's i mean correct me if i'm wrong just the process as well of uh seeking an assessment whether you go private or you go down the nhs that process in itself for someone with adhd is quite daunting and overwhelming yeah so there's probably a load yeah. of other people as well who just haven't for whatever reason have been unable to pluck up yeah. the courage or whatever the the, the thoughts to, to, the organization yeah. to to take that step so that's a whole nother pool of people that haven't even joined well, that waiting is. list completely is i literally every week i'm still contacted by people on various platforms saying i think i might have but i'm unsure what should i do and the question is okay if you think you have how is it impacting your daily life is it severely negatively impacting you frequently enough that it's causing you problems because if it is personally i'd go seek some clinical advice on this if it's just every now and again i find something a bit difficult maybe you can manage this on your own and and use a framework of adhd right but again you can't discount that it is daunting particularly i think for people who've reached a certain point in life people who've maybe you know, manage to hold down jobs, relationships, have kids, etc. To then have to admit, oh, wait a minute. That's why. That's why I've not excelled as much, had the promotions, had the, the successes that I've seen other people have. Maybe that's why relationships have broken down, you know. To actually have to be strong enough to admit there could be a reason for that. And not only to admit there might be a reason, but that you might need to actually ask for some help. It takes an awful lot of pride and humility to do that. I keep going back to this. Nobody's doing this because it's fun. Or if they are, I think there's other problems. Right? They've mm. got other issues if they think this is a laugh. But mm. that's how the documentary made me feel. 
Oh, anyone can do it. Anyone can jump on a Zoom call. And Connor, clinically trained, by the way, professional, into giving them an ADHD diagnosis and walk away with a box of pills. Behave. Mm. I mean, Just I, behave. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't doubt that it's possible for if you really wanted to get a fake a diagnosis if you didn't have ADHD yeah. and if you knew enough about it you know I could walk into Specsavers and misread the thing on the wall and they would give me could. expensive thick glasses yeah um you know yeah. again it's a subjective test um but yeah you know unless why would someone do that it doesn't make any sense no it doesn't and and again this is the question I'd love to sit down in front of the team to put it together Right, I would love to sit down and just ask them, what were you thinking? You know, how big a bender was the night before when somebody sat in the, in the office and went, I've got a great idea. Because <laughs> mu they must have been absolutely trolled to think it was, it was credible journalism. Mm. I can't imagine for a minute they were sober. But there you go, that's just my opinion. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't fit with my my understanding of this it, it, you know it just doesn't but th there is another element to this it just jumped into my head I, somebody mentioned to me um that one of the things on the documentary they were confused by was the range of people carrying out the assessments so there were nurse practitioners there were psychiatrists there were um there were nurses there were various other people who were doing the assessments now Need to do some research into this, but my understanding is it is possible to pay a qualified um, clinical psychiatrist and psychologist to to do a course as long as you have the right medical background that says you're able to diagnose and assess. But it's also possible that people can receive training to carry out an assessment. Now, mm, there's a risk in that, I will admit. There is a risk that there are people carrying out assessments who may be under pressure that that aren't, uh, shall I say, as qualified as they should be. But again, it doesn't matter because before the diagnosis is formalised, it has to be presented to a clinical psychiatrist is my understanding. They are formally trained and they look at all of the reports that that other person puts together and they are the one that says yes or no so even if there was a question over the ability of the person that's on the zoom call they are not the one typically making the, the final decision so again does it invalidate anyone's experience no if it was validated by a trained CQC registered professional. There's your validity. I'm really conscious to keep this episode sort of around about the shorter than now. the last one. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we I'll get a reputation here, won't I? Sorry. <laughs> Is there anything, I mean, we're coming up to an hour now. I think we could probably go for five or 10 more minutes. Is there, is there anything that we haven't covered that you think we should include? <sighs> Uh, I'm just running this in my head. No, I think we've, we we would both agree with anyone that saw it that, you know, please don't take this as gospel. Please don't don't look at that documentary as being a really accurate representation of how ADHD is assessed, diagnosed and whether it is valid. That's that's one. Yes, have some critical thinking if you are going to seek a diagnosis. Have some critical thinking, do your research, research any number of clinics you want. Pick one that, you know, you, you're happy with. Yeah. No stimulant meds aren't dangerous. They're just not. Not if you have ADHD and they've been, you, you know, uh, prescribed with a titration period and you're getting regular reviews. So don't be afraid of medication. That's not a dirty word. But be aware there are alternatives that you might need to ask for or you might need to research yourself be aware also UK's in point that you can or certain people can manage ADHD without needing medical intervention using other things the coaching the help you know mental health strategies mindfulness and that's as valid as medication if it works for you 
and be aware that that might change. You might get to a point in life where you think, no, I do need medication now. And that is absolutely OK as well. Um, so that's fine. But I think the biggest takeaway for me should be if this documentary had the same impact it had on me and you and many other people, which was it really, really angered you and frustrated you and you felt attacked as somebody with ADHD. Please, please register your complaint. Because the only way we prevent nonsense like this on TV again is by making sure that those commissioning this kind of stuff know that they shouldn't. That's that's my my takeaways from it, I think. You're, you've taken the words out of my mouth. That was going to be my closing call to action, but you've, you've said it perfectly. Um, complain, complain, complain. Um, if, if we can get some kind of headline, I know a lot of people are calling for the complaints to go in. Many have gone in, and hopefully after this, a few more can go in. You know, if there can be a headline that says 10, 20,000 people have complained to um, the, the the BBC for the episode, then that's impactful. That's super impact. That's, that's powerful. And that actually takes away credibility of the documentary, um, if it has any. Yeah. I, you know, there are a lot of people who it will have credibility to, which is a shame. Um, but it, it will chip away at that if there's a, another headline that says 20,000 people have complained against it. So, yeah, that, if there's one thing that you can do, um, I've, I've already done it, complain. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I, I will just say this to Ed. I I really hope that one day there is a piece of journalism, a TV documentary, like you said, whether it's multiple episodes, three hours long. I really don't care. I really, really hope in the not too distant future, something actually gets commissioned by someone with a conscience that's researched, that's beneficial and that it is actually there to give people with ADHD of any age in life, kids through to pensioners, a sense that this is a real condition that comes with real struggles, that comes with real challenges, but that can be really treatable and helped as well. That's what we need. After this, we need the anti-documentary. Right. The antithesis to this one. And, you know, I, I, I really hope that happens. And if it doesn't, I'm going to start making one on YouTube because I'm getting so frustrated by the rhetoric that I'm seeing on other platforms as well. Bashing ADHD at the moment that it's just it needs to happen. Mm, definitely. And yeah, so well said. And if anyone's listening that has I know there will be people listening who have who have been really injured by the documentary um be aware that it was made with it had an editorial agenda it was very biased it was very one-sided it was it was not on our side um with that awareness you can hopefully take away some of the impact that it's done over time yeah absolutely well listen i know i know that you've got the the link to the um the complaint form i think one of the main ones that's been used so um yeah, absolutely. I, I, I will just again say what you said. Thank you for letting me come on again. Thank you for asking me to come on and talk about this. I really I really appreciate you giving me a, another chance to talk about this. And, you know, if you and I are able to add our voices to, to all the others uh, who, who've done similar things, please go away and complain. That's all we can do, isn't it? Tell them they were wrong by, by showing them. Spot on. Thank you so much, Matt. And uh, I'm sure we will make this a hat-trick on your uh, podcast guest appearance <laughs> at, at some point. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Listen, thank you. I really appreciate it. Brilliant. Cheers, Matt. Bye. Bye now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.